Hello? Hello? Hold on, hold on, I'm over here. What, uh, what's happened? I, I don't know, but I think something has gone wrong with the space-time continuum. Uh, we don't seem to be in sync with our own podcast. That would explain why we appear to be in this featureless void, but not the clown shoes. Indeed. Uh, what year is it? Do you know? 2014? 2019? I kind of feel like it's every year in this eternal chasm of psychedelic greys. Weird. So, what's the last thing you remember? The re-election of Andy Vashiko as President of the United Nations of Earth. Uh, admittedly, it's all anyone can remember. It's, it's been going on for months. Hmm. That, that hasn't happened in my timeline, or, or maybe it has, but not in my particular reality. No, you're missing out. The Shigo time is the best time. Even the Martians agree. Okay, obviously you're not my Josh, but I guess you'll have to do. A little rude. Uh, what, what do you want to do then? Maybe we should start from first principles and see if we can get back to some semblance of normality. Or at least some semblance of our own respective normalities. Maybe rehash a classic episode and see if that puts us back in sync. Sounds like a plan? Theme? Theme. Theme! The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, starring Dr. M.R.X. Dentith and featuring Josh Addison as... The Interlocutor. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. I am Josh Edison. Sitting next to me is Dr. M. Rx Dentith, and we're going back. Back. You're feeling See, sleepy, Dr. Dentith. I was hoping I'm you'd go for one back. of your wonderful music motifs from back from oh, the first like I few used years. To. Yeah. Um, go on, give us something. Oh gosh, you've put me on the spot now. Now I have to pick a song out of all of the songs in the world. To fashion into a musical reference, um, Doctor Dentith and me, we we got a thing going on. Da, 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 da. No, that doesn't work. I need to have your name come afterwards. No, done. Should have prepared me. I thought you would have been naturally prepared for something I'm to go boom, boom, boom. Naturally unprepared. It's my nature. So we're basically going back to the very beginning. To where it all began. 2014, episode one, The Conspiracy Conditions. Mm. One of our shortest episodes. Given that it was one of our... We, we used to be brief. We used to be concise. We certainly tried to be succinct back in the old days. Mm. And every so often we have an attempt to be succinct again. And then we basically achieved that for about two to three weeks. And, and then, then start going yeah, And then it just yeah. slips. It slips. Yes, yeah, so we're going right back to the very beginning, where the, one of the very first thing we had to do when we first started this podcast was was define some terms, because we're good philosophers, and that's what you do in philosophy, you define your terms. Well, it's good analytic philosophy. Good analytic, well, yes. So basically, the question, the, the first question, you can't talk about conspiracies before without answering the question, what is a conspiracy? Also, this is the point in time where we should mention that at some point in the distant or recent past, we did record an episode of the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy on international talk like a pirate day we did and the one thing we didn't do is say you can't spell conspiracy without piracy which we really should have so we're we're bringing that up now we apologize it was an obvious joke we should have made the joke and frankly we are ashamed we didn't make the joke so 
we're sorry. Mm. We're very, very sorry. Yes. Uh, but not so sorry that we're not going to carry on doing what we're doing anyway. No. Um, no. Which is talk about what is a conspiracy. So, Dr. Dentith. Hello. Yes, that's me. What, what's a conspiracy? Well, it's a kind of piracy, which is a con. Right. But it's a plural con, so it's, so it's cons like, piracy. Is that like Con Air? The Nicolas Cage? Con Air and conspiracy film? are related hmm. in that I'm fairly sure there will eventually be a Nicolas Cage Johnny Depp film. Has there not already? Not that I'm aware of. It's, no, a, it's one of those no. things. I mean, in the same respect that when Escape Plan came out and Schwarzenegger and Stallone were both co-starring in a film, case of... Surely that must have happened before now. But, and um, yet, no, it had not. So, yeah, so a conspiracy is, according to the various bits and pieces I've written academically, is made up of three conditions, what we might call the plotter's condition, the goal condition, and the secrecy condition, and that to conspire you need two or more people working together with a plan, which of course must be kept secret. So there are three conditions when it comes to something counting as a conspiracy. Mm. And as I recall way back in the mists of time, I, th I think we actually devoted an episode to each condition. Um, so initially the first one, uh, the plotter's condition, to be a conspiracy, there has to be more than one person. I remember when we talked about it at the time, we expressed slight reservations. It seemed odd to me, at least, that um, you could have a person engaging in activities that, if they just happened to have got another person involved, would have been conspiratorial, but, but because they're doing it by themselves, doing the exact same thing counts as not a conspiracy. I mean, sort of, you know, if, if you had um, someone's planning he, to, to, to blow up a government building uh, and this guy, I'm assuming it's a guy uh, based on the entirety of human history. And every um, 80s action film. He, he wants to blow up a, a government building in, in America, which has happened, um, and and does acts in secret and, and and has this plot and carries it out towards a specific end, and it seems odd that it's only had he even told someone about it and you know someone else had, had to keep the secret or something, then it would be a conspiracy. But without them, it's not. It almost seems it almost seems that sort of it's the etymological fallacy of the fact that conspiracy means what is it to to breathe together yeah. to, to aspire as in respire aspire so conspire is breathing together um, that means we we insist on the conspiracy um, condition uh, not the conspiracy condition the plotters condition has your thinking changed on this at all yes and no so I was having a conversation with a colleague. Uh, just the other week about the notion of can you conspire against yourself? So can you be involved in a conspiracy where you conspire against yourself? Because that's something that people do kind of say, you know, you kind of ruined your own life, you conspired against yourself to cause this calamity to occur. And it does seem to be a situation where you can at least act in a way which appears to be on your own against your best interests. So you can imagine a situation where you're a university academic, you really want a promotion, but you also really, really want to keep your really plush office. And so you're in the situation where the administration 
has decided that actually they're going to make everyone live or work in open plan offices. It's actually be a terrible administration. You will now live in an op op mm. open plan office. It's full communism in this academic department. You'll work in an open plan office. And if you go along with us, we can guarantee that promotion to associate professor. And you end up going, well, my interests are open plan offices, but also my interest is in getting that promotion. And so you have two different wants. One trumps the other, and you effectively engage in a conspiracy against yourself. So you're not actually joining in with the conspiracy by the... Well, sorry, there is no actual conspiracy by the administration. They just have a straightforward plan. But you keep secret the fact you're working for them to achieve this one thing you want, your associate professorship, whilst at the same time actually also acting against your own interests. So you're involved in what appears to be a conspiracy, but it's actually kind of a conspiracy made up of you. You are working with others, but they're not actually keeping what they're doing secret. You're keeping your involvement in their plan secret. Mm. I think that kind of allows you to talk about a person conspiring on their own because you're still working with others it's just that the secrecy in this case refers to a singular plotter mm. and that possibly brings in also examples we've looked at in the past where people can be involved in a conspiracy without knowing it and that was some of the claims about things like the um the the, the volkswagen emissions testing conspiracy there were claims which uh, some of which seem to be more plausible than others, that certain people involved in the conspiracy didn't actually know that they were working to defraud or to, to defraud or to cheat these um, emissions tests um, because no one person sort of, or, or not everyone had an overview of the whole thing. Could you imagine a situation where you have a single person working towards a goal? drafting others into it but not letting them in on the true goal behind what they're doing so they sort of have a bunch of people working together but only one of them actually knows the details of the conspiracy it feels like something that can get murky at any rate yeah and this is a point that actually martin oro and i made in secrecy and conspiracy which is given the hierarchical nature of conspiratorial activity there might only be a very few very few people. There might be few people at the top. I don't need to put the very in Doesn't front really of that. A few people at the top who actually know what the point of the conspiracy is. And yet there might be a lot of patsies or dupes who have been roped into an act of the conspiracy without ever being aware they're actually doing the conspirators bidding. And given the secrecy condition we'll talk about later on, it seems quite plausible to go that not everyone knows that they're involved in a conspiracy. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think it, it, it seems kind of helpful to put the condition that there needs to be more than one conspirator um, just for sort of, I don't know, taxonomic pur purposes, just for to making things easier to classify. But well, it does seem the there, important there are thing is, areas there. It is meant to distinguish between, say, mere secrecy of you keeping a secret 
that you're trying to do this particular thing, such as trying to kill me every time I look away from you, versus cooperative secrecy, where you rope in, say, Richard lurking outside the door so that, uh, to distract me, to make sure that I look away so you can st stab me. And it seems that conspiracy is a special kind of secrecy that relates to cooperation, and that's why it requires two or more people for it to be conspiratorial as opposed to merely secretive. Well, there we go. Okay, well, then moving on. The goal condition, I think, seems much less uh, controversial. Yeah, precisely. You can't really be conspiring if you're not working towards some particular goal. And again, uh, maybe not all the people involved in the conspiracy actually know what the goal is. They might or... even be competing goals. Mm. So, I mean, the example that I used in my thesis and like to bring up at almost every single opportunity, because it appears, it appears that I'm obsessed with the assassination of Julius Caesar, is that the assassins of Caesar appeared to have competing goals as to why they wanted Caesar to be killed. So Marcus Brutus, as we can tell from the letters he sent back to his supporters in Rome after he was exiled because of the failure to capture power after Caesar's death, really did think that the Senate would vote to make him the next dictator. He couldn't understand why, having defeated one dictator, he wasn't the obvious person to lead Rome out of its political chaos. And that seems to be at odds with some of the wants of the other conspirators to kill Caesar, who just wanted to return power to the Senate and return things back to their somewhat democratic system away from one person having sole charge of the Republic at that time. So you can have the situation where conspirators have different goals and actually quite possibly goals which are at odds with one another, but they're still working together towards some more general aim. So the assassination of Caesar, the conspiracy was to kill Caesar and also, and whether that also is make Marcus Brutus the next dictator or return complete power to the Senate, at least they agreed on one part of the goal, if not all mm. of the goals were shared. And an important thing to say about goals, I think, which has come up also when we've discussed the whole qui bono thing, where people will insist that you can you can work out who's behind something by looking at who benefits from it. Or removing that, their sunglasses. Indeed. Um, is that... It's not part, It's not a requirement of the conspiracy that that goal be realised. They're working towards a goal. Uh, they may be thwarted. The conspiracy may be uncovered. Uh, they may just fail completely. That the goal. It, is, it isn't a condition that the goal has to be achieved. It just has to be there to be being worked towards. Yes, and I mean one of the things which comes out a lot in discussion of criminal conspiracies is that a lot of criminal conspiracies are nipped in the bud before the conspirators can do anything. Because either they've been infiltrated by security forces or the police, or they make really elementary mistakes which make people go, those people are meeting up in that house an awful lot. We should probably listen and... Oh, right, they're planning to rob that bank. Um, mm. Let's arrest them now whilst they're planning to do it before they actually get round to doing it. Merely wanting to achieve an end means you can be part of a conspiracy as long as you're working together and trying to keep things secret. Mm. I At the, this year's film festival, I saw The Day Shall Come, 
which is by a new film by uh, was it Chris Morris? Do oh Chris yes, I Brass do. I, I do want to see that. Yeah, so it's very good. It's very depressing. It's 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 funny in a in a the thick of its sort of way, um, but it, or at the same time, it has a very jaded, cynical view of law enforcement, and and it's sort of, it's all basically about these people trying to entrap people into conspiring to commit acts of terrorism. It's sort of like it, they. they throw the opportunities at this person and as soon as they can be talked into saying yes I'll do it then they're like haha there we go he's 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 sure sure we set up everything and it was never actually going to happen if we hadn't done anything but we showed that he would have done this terrorist act had he been given the 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 um the opportunity to uh in for real and use that as an excuse to justify um, imprisoning these various people who haven't actually done anything wrong anyway. Yeah, which actually it's... is a recurrent issue in law enforcement, which is if you encourage someone to commit a crime by giving them opportunity and motive and go, oh, well, that just shows they would have done it otherwise, you end up going, yeah, but they might not have done because mm. you, you actually may have encouraged them to think about committing a crime they may not have ever thought about it in the first place until you put the suggestion in their head. Mm. Yes, so that, that 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 side of things gets a little bit dodgy. But I think um, certainly if we're talking about conspiracies, there's got to be a goal. Otherwise, what are you even doing? Yes, and that's because in? when you're working together and you've got a goal, you're trying to keep what you're doing secret. Mm. Unless you've got a goal... Why you, what have well, you got well, to well, now, now I'm thinking about how children actually do secrecy without any goal condition whatsoever. So children, be, children yes. being secretive. What what are you up to? Nothing. I need to actually literally. They, they are, actually yeah, doing anything. They were up they to nothing. Mm. They just didn't want you to be nosy, and so they were going to make it look as if they were actually up to something. But no, we take it that when you are conspiring, you you have a goal. And you're keeping what it is you want to do secret from someone. Mm. Because yeah, if there's no secrecy involved, then it's not really a conspiracy. It's just a plan. Yeah. Um, and you can plan in the open, and those plans can be problematic or unproblematic. But there's nothing conspiratorial about saying we're going to invade Iraq, mm. unless, of course, you hide the rationale as to why you're going to invade Iraq by claiming there are weapons of mass destruction there. Yes. Yeah, so the secrecy condition, <clears throat> it's got to be there to count as a conspiracy, and that, that doesn't seem conspiratorial, but then there are there are lots of different angles to that. Who Does it have to be kept secret from everyone who isn't in on the conspiracy or just the target of the conspiracy or, or you know, some people and not others? Um how long does the secrecy need to be maintained? And it seems that you know that that, that that can vary. If you look at things like, say, a terrorist attack like 9-11 or whatever, the planning of it is done in secret, but the execution, they want everyone, you know, once once their goal is reached, they want everyone to know about it immediately. Whereas other acts, uh, the idea is that no one ever find out about them ever. Yeah, so I mean, secrecy is interesting because in the thesis and the first book, The Philosophy of Conspiracy Theories, I just talk about secrecy generally. You must keep your, your plot a secret from others. But as Marty and I discussed in Secrecy and Conspiracy, actually secrecy is a really interesting concept here because some conspiracies do require you to keep what you're doing secret from everyone. 
And some conspiracies arguably only require you to keep what you're doing secret from the target of the conspiracy. So going back to the assassination of Caesar, technically the assassins really only had to keep their plot secret from Caesar and maybe some of his close friends who weren't in on the conspiracy. Because of course one of the interesting things about the assassination of Julius Caesar was a lot of his friends decided he had to go. But obviously some of his friends didn't, had to keep it secret from them. But it was really only a small cohort of Roman citizens the assassins had to keep the secret from. And in fact, as soon as they kill Caesar, they quite openly announce what they've done. Mm. As soon as Caesar is dead, secrecy is no longer necessary. In fact, secrecy would be bad because the assassins want to be celebrated as the liberators of Rome. So they don't want it kept secret that they were the ones that did it. And so secrecy, when it comes to conspiracy, is a very flexible concept. You might keep a secret forever, like Stalin tried to do with his various purges, making people disappear in the Moscow trials, or you might stop being secret immediately, as soon as Caesar is dead, and then there's a question of, who are we keeping the secret from at this particular point mm. in time? Because if you look at uh, a, a smaller st scale conspiracy theory, say, um, you know, it's someone cheating on their spouse or partner, obviously it needs to be, you know, it counts as a conspiracy because you've got at least two parties involved. Um, that definitely needs to be kept secret from the person who is being cheated on. And then it sort of, you can get cases where it just kind of branches out a little bit. So you don't want them to know. You also don't want anyone who, if they found out about it, would tell the partner or spouse. So it's sort of kind of not them. And then and then maybe you want to make sure that no one who knows someone who, who knows someone, it, 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 it can stay small. And certainly in a situation like that, the vast majority of the human populace does not give a shit if you happen to be cheating on your, your spouse or partner. Um but exactly how much secrecy is required kind of depends on um, context and possibly um, time. Like yeah. the, the longer yeah. something goes, the more chance there is people might know about it, the more opportunities there might be for people to find out about it, so the more secrecy might end up being required. Yeah, so I mean, secrecy ends up being quite an interesting concept to explore because it has a lot of very interesting philosophical, philosophical extensions. Then when you start going, oh, oh, so actually this large conspiracy, we have to keep the secret from one person. I mean, so the Truman Show mm. is a great example of that. Massive conspiracy to keep secret from one person, mm. Truman, that he's actually in a TV show and not the real world. So the rest of the world knows it's a t TV show. They're only keeping this massive conspiracy secret from one person. Mm. Um, and the secrecy condition, I think, is the one that people appeal to the most when they want to say that a conspiracy isn't warranted. That these are the uh, often I hear people say, "Well, look, for nine eleven to have been an inside job, the sheer number of people who would have had to have known about it." because it couldn't have been kept secret from them, so therefore if no one spoke, that means that they were in on it and agreed to stay quiet of it. And that number of people, when you really look at things, is just too vast. You, you couldn't keep that many people quiet. In some cases, what appears to be that case isn't really so much, because as we talked about 
you can have a conspiracy involving a lot of people, but a lot of those people might not actually know that they're in on yeah, the conspiracy. Yeah, precisely. So you might be keeping secret people's involvement in the conspiracy. Mm. But nevertheless, I think when when people have um, uh, problems with a conspiracy that go beyond the, the the straight sort of implausibility angle of, well, this requires us to have technology that doesn't exist as far as we know, or this requires the existence of aliens or mind control or what have you, um, that aside, I think the thing that people tend to pick at the most in conspiracies is the idea that you can't keep big things secret. Or at least yeah. not for long enough. And then there's an associated notion. So Karl Popper famously thought that the conspiracy theory of society, the notion that conspiracies are at the root of everything, uh, was nonsense in part because conspiracies are never ultimately successful because we know about conspiracies. So there's no perfect secrecy here. And some people do use that claim that the only successful conspiracy is one that nobody even knows about, which then leads to an ep epistemic issue of if you know about a conspiracy, it's unsuccessful, thus it's not a real conspiracy, thus any theories about that conspiracy must be prima facie false. Now, of course, that's, that's a really weird notion of secrecy, once again, because you don't have to keep your secret forever, you just have to keep it secret until such time your plot has been achieved, and in some situations, you might not need to keep it secret afterwards, or like Stalin, you might go, I don't want anyone saying bad things about me, so let's just keep this hush-hush for as long as possible. Mm. But insisting upon perfect secrecy seems like a way of defining conspiracies as being irrational to believe in, mm. when actually, no. And also, knowing that someone has tried to conspire but failed to either keep what they're doing secret or failed to achieve their end doesn't tell us they haven't conspired. It just tells us that their conspiracy failed in some way. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like a fairly a, a non-productive definition to to define secrecy in such a way that anything you can point to as a conspiracy therefore becomes not a conspiracy by definition. It's... And yet, some people want mm. to engage in these non-productive things. Right, so, so there we go. So those are. Those are the three conditions that we take as being necessary for something to count as a conspiracy. And sufficient. And sufficient, yes. yes. Necessary and sufficient. Um, what, though, are some things that are not conditions of a conspiracy, at least in our minds? Because so, so, well, things which are often thought to be a condition of a conspiracy that we would disagree with. I would say, for instance, it's often held that a conspiracies must be malicious. Yes, and actually this is some, something I go into in quite some depth in the first book, The Philosophy of Conspiracy Theories. I think it's fair to assume that if you find out about a conspiracy, you've found out about a suspicious state of affairs. Because people, unless once again they're children, don't keep secrets for any old reason. You keep things secret because you want to hide something from someone. And if you are that someone, I think it's quite natural to go, this is a little bit suspicious, why are you keeping the secret from me? But we should never mistake suspiciousness with sinisterness. Mm. Because there are a lot of legitimate reasons to keep things secret. They can be from political things. If you're trying to negotiate a trade deal between two nation states, you need to keep your bottom line secret 
not just from the negotiating part partner overseas, but also from the public. Because if you go around broadcasting in the media that our bottom line is X, Y, or Z, that foreign nation state is going to be able to look at your media and go, ah, we now know exactly what they're willing to give away or not give away. We can play hardball. So you keep that secret from the public to achieve a greater good. It's suspicious, because we should always be suspicious of people acting secretively, but it's not necessarily sinister. Although, as we sometimes discover, looking into trade deals, it actually is sinister because they're keeping things secret because they don't want the public to know you're about to give away your healthcare system. Mm. And on on sort of smaller scales, we, we keep secrets um, at times, uh, sort of rightly or wrongly, to protect people. There, there can be things that we believe if a person found out about it, it would cause them distress or similar, and so we conspire to keep that information from them, quote-unquote, for their own good. Um, or, and this is an example that I know you've brought up a bunch of times in the past, the, the most sort of almost counterintuitive example of a conspiracy theory would be a birthday party, a surprise birthday yeah, party. Yeah, precisely. So, and as I like to point out to people when I give talks, no one's ever done this for me, and it's, it's becoming almost amusing by the fact I use it as an example. If someone organises a surprise party, to make it a surprise party... The person you're organising the party for can't know you're organising the party, which means you are keeping that secret from them. And because you're organising a surprise party, you are bringing other people in on the organisation. So suddenly you have two or more people with a goal running a party, which you're keeping secret from the victim slash target. It looks like it's a conspiracy. And unless the victim hates surprise parties, it's not sinister. No. Yeah, so the secrecy in that case um, is to make the final reveal all the better when, that, when, the, when the conspiracy is finally unveiled. Yeah, it appears to be a conspiracy of goodness. And so, yes, that's one of the features that people want to bring into discussion of conspiracy is that these things are malevolent or sinister. But there's no reason to think that. And indeed, part of the other problem is most conspirators don't think they're up to no good. Most mm. people aren't mustachioed villains who cackle wildly as they freeze a lamb to death and part of their sinister plot to take over the world. Most of the conspiracies we know, people are motivated either by trying to achieve some greater good. This is going to be a horrible thing to say, but the Nazis did think the world would be better off mm. without the Jewish nation being there. They were wrong. Let's not, let's not beat about the bush. Yes. They were completely wrong about that. But they actually were keeping what they were doing secret because they knew people would protest, but the Nazis thought the world would be a better place in the yes, end. terrorists who blow up buildings and hijack planes think, think that they're, they're doing a greater good. Mm, yeah. So yeah, certainly in the minds of conspirators, you could you could argue conspiracies are almost never malicious. Yeah. Even they though... recognise the suspiciousness of what they do, but they do think they're aiming towards something which, at least within their own perverted moral compass with respect to the Nazis, they think is a greater good. Mm. Um, another thing I've heard a little bit is the idea that 
Well, for one thing, I've heard the idea that it's not a conspiracy if it's actually true, which I think we wouldn't... Um, no, but but that, I mean, that, that just seems like a weird definition. Yeah, I, th I think it's uh, p partly a little bit the whole... Uh, confusion over the, the usage of the word theory. I mean, we're talking about theory in a fairly sort of academic slash scientific sense. As in the theory of evolution, whereas, the theory of gravity. Mm, whereas a lot of people think the, uh, a theory, the theory is, of your mum is, is something you just reckon, and once you know it to be true, it's not a theory anymore, so therefore anything that's a conspiracy theory is something that we don't think is true or don't have evidence to believe. But um, So there's that. But there's also a slightly... Um, less shaky version of that is the idea that theories are inherently, I guess, alternative, that a theory is an alternative to the official theory. The official theory is not a conspiracy. The conspiracy is something that's offered as an alternative to the official theory. But official theories can be just as cons uh, conspiracy-laden as unofficial ones. Yeah, and that's the thing. So people will say official theories can't be conspiracy theories because the officialness tells you that it's proper knowledge and conspiracy theories are not. But once again, that's a really weird distinction to make there. Yeah, and it's something that I know you've brought up a bunch of times. Uh, September 11, if you believe that, say, the Bush administration uh, orchestrated the entire thing to give them a pretext for bringing in the Patriot Act and, and invading Iraq or whatever. That's definitely a conspiracy theory. You believe the Bush administration acted in secret to, to frame al-Qaeda for this act. On the other hand, if you believe that al-Qaeda conspired to carry out a terrorist, or carried out this terrorist attack on US soil, that's a conspiracy too. So the official theory is a conspiracy theory because it's a theory and the actions behind it are definitely a conspiracy. Yeah, because terrorist activity typically is conspiratorial. Mm. People work towards a goal and they keep it secret because terrorists by and large don't advertise what they're going to do in advance, apart from sometimes the, the IRA. Yeah, yes. back in the old days, would give warning that a bomb's going to go off in Brooklyn Street. Mm. Yes, I think all of which goes towards, I suppose, um, what's what's sort of been your project a little bit is to possibly rehabilitate the idea of conspiracy theories, or at least to push against the notion that conspiracy theories are inherently irrational or inherently flawed, or that we should be suspicious of conspiracy theories simply because they're conspiracy theories. Yeah, I mean, basically, by looking at the concept of conspiracy and conspiracy theory and kind of breaking them down into their constituent parts and going, well, what do these terms actually mean and what are their extensions? You end up going, well, conspiracies actually seem to be a fairly normal mm. thing in human interactions in that if we agree, and some people don't, some people don't bite the bullet on surprise parties as being conspiratorial, but if we agree that surprise parties are conspiratorial, kind of shows you how common conspiracies mm. actually are. They're kind of all around us and a natural part of how humans operate. Whether you're back chatting about a colleague at work because you know the boss is trying to get rid of them and you're aiding and abetting by passing information on, or you're organizing a surprise party for a colleague, or you're engaging in a coup within your political party to change prime minister, conspiracies seem to be everywhere. Mm. 
um, business practice, business practices rather, seem to rely fairly heavily on conspiracy. Well, I like the idea. It's business practice is conspiracy. Mm. Well, it kind of is a lot of the time. Precisely. But we see them. We see them in the political world and the business world, um, and then and just in everyday life. And I think the I, I guess the, the the point of it, um, which you've talked about plenty of times before, is the danger of seeing conspiracy theories as being inherently irrational is that it allows the powerful to conspire and then write off any any accusations against them as being just conspiracy theories and therefore inherently nonsense and that's not a good thing yeah it really isn't because the last thing we want to do is to give powerful conspirators the ability to make it hard to believe that they're engaging in conspiracies. Mm. So, I don't know, to people who haven't been listening to this podcast from the very beginning, it, it might feel a little bit strange because we do spend most of our time fi finding against the conspiracy theories we look at. I mean, we, we've looked at plenty of historical things that actually really did happen and they were conspiracies, but... All the big ones. I mean, we're not 9-11 truthers. We don't no. think um, Kubrick faked the moon landings. Um, not not 100% certain about JFK, but the, the, the wackier sides of magic bullet stuff doesn't seem to be true at all. And the Jeffrey Epstein stuff, I think we're, we're mostly on the side of saying the most likely story was suicide. Mm. Um, I mean, there are oddities to the story which make you go... It is there convenient, is but need, at the it needs same, further yeah. looking at. But definitely. at the same time, it also seems, given the balance of probabilities, suicide should be our most likely candidate whilst we explore the yeah. others. Knowing what we currently know, yeah. It'd be terrible if this gets broadcast after a point Just in time. After, where, yeah. a, and now it's been conclusively proved that Jeffrey Epstein has indeed been, been killed by conspiracy. Mm. By an actual conspiracy, yeah. not people. Yeah, just, just the just, weight just of the, the oppressive yeah, atmosphere yeah. of a conspiracy. Because of the way politics is going in the US, conspiracy actually incarnates Manifests, as a yes, as an amorphous blob yeah. that goes around killing. Conspiracies are killing people everywhere. My God, there's a conspiracy in every home. Mm. So yeah, I mean, it, it seems a little bit odd to to say that the the sort of you know official. Um, the, the the ethos behind this podcast is that conspiracy theories are not inherently irrational and do deserve to be evaluated on their merits. When you do, when you look at the sorts of conspiracies people are interested in, you do find that most of them are um, are, are kind of nonsense. But you find that out by investigating them on their merits, yeah, not by looking at them and I mean, saying, "Well, these are obviously just." As I like to points. point out, there may be an awful lot of unwarranted conspiracy theories out there compared to a, a small cohort of actual warranted conspiracy theories we ought to believe. In the same respect, that's true for every single theoretical domain. There are a lot of scientific theories being generated on a day-by-day -day basis, most of which will not survive testing. Hmm. And we don't think that's a problem in the sciences. But apparently having a lot of theoretical constructs and only some of them being true is a problem in the field of the conspiracy, when it isn't a problem in the field of psychology, physics, chemistry, history, and the like. Mm. Uh, we shouldn't have this double standard, but we'll be moving on to that at some point 
in our next Strange Featureless Void episode. Yes, we will. And because we're in a strange featureless void, it's a bit hard for us to tell what patrons are going to be able to experience mm. after this particular episode, because we are not only completely outside of space and time, but Josh and I come from different divergent realities. Uh, so I've got something here, giant sandworm mates with aardvark but i'm fairly sure that's not an actual story that's i think dream i think journal, that's just a fetish of mine yeah. uh josh what have you got um oh so, some, something about the pope and an anaconda or possibly the pope and a woman called anna driving a honda i'm not sure mm, interesting i've also got defenestrating artwork discovered to start world war three well, that's just common sense. I mean, it had to happen eventually, but mm. I would love to know the details. Here's patrons, you'll get to find out about something yep. of that particular time. And if you want to, of course, become a patron, why not join our Patreon campaign by going to patreon.com or go to conspiracism.podbean.com where you'll find details of our Podbean patron system where you can give us just a dollar a month to have access to bonus episodes like Defenestrating Artwork Causes World War Three. Mm, mm. And who wouldn't want that? World War Four? Ah, probably. Yeah, precisely. I was reading a thing today, must have been on Twitter because that's where people post pithy comments, that uh, it's going to be strange if aliens ever visit and we have to explain to them why we required a numbering system for our world wars. Ooh. Yeah, mm. that's that's actually chilling when you think <laughs> about it. That's yeah. quite, quite chilling. Anyway. Oh, well, see you all next time. Whenever that time may be. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Hmm. You've been listening to a podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, hosted by Josh Addison and M. Dentith. If you'd like to help support us, please find details of our pledge drive at either Patreon or Podbean. 